We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. Fill in the blank. Audric Estime's Notre Dame career was blank. Hmm, that's a tough one. It, how do you how do you sum up so, so such a versatile, athletic, powerful uh, type of guy? I think uh, Audric Estime's career at Notre Dame was short lived. I think is the best way to put it. And I think that we will ultimately wish we had more of him at the end of the day because we only got you know a little bit of that sample size. And, and to me. You know, what we were talking about earlier in the show, he's just like the, the 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 complete back, right? Like he's big, he's strong, he's powerful, he's fast, he's 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 light on his feet, he's he's everything, he's a great leader, he's a workhorse, you can put the team on his back. Like it, it was just too short for me at the end of the day. And I wish that we had the opportunity in a selfish way to get even more of him because he's he's baby bus junior, and I want to keep seeing <laughs> some more of that. Baby Bus Jr., not just Baby Bus, but he is Baby Bus Jr. as well. I mean, it's crazy. You're, you know, you're right. It it did seem shorter than it actually was because we barely got to see him as a freshman. He only had seven carries as a freshman, but he had, you know, over 350 carries in the last two seasons. And to me, it was it was just a breath of fresh air because, like, Audric Estime was always kind of one of those, you know, he didn't necessarily always give mm. you the best quote, but at the same time, like, he was having fun with it and, you know, was like you could always kind of see behind, you know, sort of that, you know, sly little grin. Like, there were some things going on back there that he wasn't going to let you in on. But at the same time, he had fun with it and he just looked like a guy who was always out there having fun playing and just the way that he played again, like I love, there's nothing I love more than seeing, you know, that big bruising running back who could not only be physical, but, you know, kind of have that shiftiness and, and, and have that breakaway speed like Audric Estime had to go with it as well. So it was a lot of fun. It was uh, again, a breath of fresh air. And at the end of the day, I agree with what you said. It was, uh, it was also a little bit shorter. And I think that we we all I think he was ultimately underappreciated as well. And to me, my favorite thing of of Audric Estime is what you were kind of talking about is, man, when the fourth quarter came and it was time to end games, there was I, I love seeing Audric Estime go to work because 
that's when he deserved the ball. You know, as a running back, you yep. you earn the right to run that ball in the fourth quarter when the defensive line out. is worn down, right. the linebackers are worn down. Last thing that they want to do is tackle big old Audric Estime coming downhill in the hole. Yep. When they're sucking for win, just punch him in the mouth and don't let him breathe. Just keep on trucking, man. Just and keep that's on the, trucking. <laughs> he was fun to watch. That's for sure. All right. Fill in the blank. It is blank that it looks like Notre Dame is going to be hosting Wake Forest wide receiver Jabal Banks this weekend after already getting commitments from two other veteran receivers. It's electric. And the reason why I say it's electric is because Notre Dame isn't stopping in terms of trying to add firepower or electricity to this offense next season. Um, and it's and, and it's very obvious that they're targeting guys that they feel are a very good fit for the system that they want to run next season. And so the more guys that they can get out of the portal, especially considering, you know, who left. Um, and then the excitement that you add of bringing in Coach Mike Brown, I, I'm a, I'm just excited to see how all of this you know meshes together and this whole thing you know um, gets going. But the more the more talented bodies that you can add in a room, I think that just makes your room more electric and dynamic. So I'm hoping that they can get um, Jamal Banks. Yeah, I mean you know again like they've already got the two veterans in Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell from Clemson and Florida International, but they're not stopping there. And Banks is another outside receiver, just like the other guys, but he's got a little bit more size to him. He's 6'4", 205 pounds. He comes from Wake Forest. He played with Sam Hartman, of course, at Wake Forest. So there's there's a connection there. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, there's there's been a little bit of Sam Hartman, you know, kind of working the in-between there, kind of, you know, maybe kind of helping uh, the connection between Banks and, and the Notre Dame staff. So I think that that's good. And I just, I, I I love the fact that, you know, look, what has been one of the biggest issues for this offense the last two years? Wide receivers, right? And they've already gone out and added two guys who they know can produce. They're bringing in another veteran quarterback, and now they might potentially be, be bringing in a third veteran wide receiver. And it's like, you know, you don't want to compete for a job, then you know maybe this isn't for you. Right? But they they had to address this, and you know they've still got talented guys coming in. But until they get that room, you know, really kind of restocked with their own young talented guys the way they need to, because let's not forget, you know, they obviously lost four receivers going out the door this off season. So to be able to go out and potentially bring in a third guy with this kind of experience would be huge. So I think it's I think it's pretty cool that they're they're hosting another guy. They're not they're not stopping with what they've got so far. Yeah, and 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 some of the limited time that I had to to dig into some Jamal Banks, I think the thing that was most noticeable um, is that 2022 season that you brought up with Sam Hartman. He had 42 catches, just about 650 yards and nine touchdowns. So I really like the nine touchdown parts because that's a guy who can finish drives for you um, and, and can get you into the end zone. And then last year he had zero drops on 88 targets. So we know he's a sure-handed wide receiver. Um, and, and again, I don't I don't think that he's a huge kind of, you know, yards after catch kind of guy. He's one of those guys who's usually catching the ball. And like it reminds me of Jason Witten towards the end when he would just catch the ball and just get tackled and kind of go down. I'm not saying it's that dramatic, um, but he, he's not a huge kind of, you know, shifty he uses more of his body uh, to shield you off. And he, again, he's not he's not going to do do much 
after the catch, but he's a sure-handed receiver. He's going to catch the ball, and I think he knows how to catch the ball in traffic as well. So I think that's going to be very beneficial for them, a guy who can catch the ball over the middle of the field and be comfortable yeah. with it. Carmel Humphrey, 6'3", Banks, 6'3", Collins, get the bodies on the outside instantly, Six foot five, Colsey. And, I mean, again, think about it. You know, just what you're talking about, the end zone. How many – you know – we, we haven't seen the last couple of years many fades to the end zones to receivers, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Because it's just it, – it just hasn't been there. And these are the kind of guys who can give you that and not only give you that but give you, you know, plays on the outside. Again, because what's we, – we know that they've got slot receivers. They've got slot receivers for days. They've got to have guys on the outside who can go out there and produce. And, and all three of these guys – including banks are the kind who can go out there and do it. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. And there's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. And the holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine combined to start all 13 games for Marcus Freeman's 9-4 and team last year. And as we've talked about, both Pine and Buckner are going to be back at Notre Dame this spring, but neither is going to be playing football. <laughs> so does that make you sort of reconsider how you think about Marcus Freeman's first season? It makes me appreciate that first season a little bit more. Just because, I mean, let's let's be honest about the quarterback room that he was left with. It was Buckner, um, Pine, and Angeli, right? Buckner, Buckner 
and Pine are both not playing football next semester. Uh, Buckner said he's not playing again. We don't know if Pine's going to move on after, you know, finishing whatever he does at Notre Dame. And then if if we're being completely transparent, it seems like Riley Leonard is going to beat out Angeli. So where does that leave Angeli after this? So I felt like Marcus Freeman for being a first-time head coach and taking over. And again, not being not that he doesn't know offense, but he's not a super offensive-oriented guy. He's a defensive-oriented guy. That's his background. And so I think the ability to get the most out of that team in your first year really it, it, it was underappreciated. Um, and it, I think it shows kind of, you know, the work that Marcus Freeman put in. I, again, I don't think it excuses some of those bad losses against Stanford and Marshall, because I think you still have enough talent to win those games. But for what he was given and 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 for and what he was able to get out of it in terms of quarter, quarterback production, I felt like it, it was a, a, a good job, a job well done. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at the fact you know, for different reasons, but I think that they combined to play three games <laughs> at the two schools that they were at this year. Maybe it was four, but I mean, you know, Buckner got his one start and then he kind of disappeared after that. And, uh, you know, Drew Pine, I still think Drew Pine is is going to end up playing football. So oh, he will. I think that he's back to get his degree, you know, get his undergrad degree this spring, and then he can Trade still up. enter the transfer portal in April and then, you know, go out and transfer someplace else over the summer, but do it as a graduate student. But at the same time, you know, again, it's just, it, it, it is a little bit amazing when you look at where these guys are right now, just a little, not, not even a year later, basically, like we're still within a 12 month time span of last season when, when all this stuff, when, you know, when Drew Pine transferred last year and Tyler Buckner was coming back and, you know, becoming, you know, the quarterback in the Gator Bowl. The only thing that kind of makes me say, well, but is, you know, they're, they're a loss in the Sun Bowl away from having the exact same record as last year, or they're a win in the Sun Bowl from having one more win than last year. Right with right. Sam Hartman. A so does that make this season more disappointing? Right, right. I mean, you still can't forgive the kind of losses that they had last year, but again, you do kind of have to look at it through a little bit different lens. I think when you when you look at where these two guys are, just a year later, it's it's crazy to think about it. I think did we and then I think the other flip side of what you were just kind of getting into to play devil's advocate is were we expecting too much out of Sam Hartman knowing kind of what offense he came out of? You know what I mean? Did, was he was he the quarterback that we build him up to be or was he just, yeah. you know, was he just kind of average like Pine and Buckner? And so are are we waiting on are we waiting on a, a, a true dynamic quarterback for Marcus Freeman to also kind of break out as well. I feel like those two things in college football and really in the NFL are what are what, what run parallels together in order to be a successful coach. You more than likely have to have a pretty successful quarterback, but if you're Mike McDaniel, you're the reason why that quarterback is successful. You're doing everything in your power to, to enable that quarterback to be the best version of themselves. And I, I think that's been the biggest knock so far to me in Notre Dame is, yeah, if you're dealt crappy hands, that's fine. If you're dealt a hand that might not be, you know, as advantageous as you want, again, that's fine. 
but let's do more to try to to try to you know again find what these quarterbacks are really good at so Notre Dame can also excel as well yeah and that's still kind of the lens you know that's that's the other part of the lens is Tommy Reese showed through most of his Notre Dame career that he was you know, that he was good at adapting to the personnel that he had. I think his last season, it seemed like, yeah, is he really doing that? But again, like when you look now at what's become of these two quarterbacks, maybe it actually was, you know, maybe he was, you know, making, uh, you know, I'll do the the nice version of it. Maybe he really was making lemonade out of lemons at times, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and we just, we didn't realize it at the time because, you know, look at, you know, this was supposed to be the worst year in Alabama football since, Nick, you know, one of Nick Saban's first years. And look at where it ended up, you know, and look at just the mess at times that became of Notre Dame's offense this year with a sixth year veteran quarterback. And, you know, Jimmy, I you know, I saw him say, you know, did, did they, you know, did they really get the best? Did they really use Sam Hartman right? I mean, it was not what any of us thought it was going to be. It was not what Sam Hartman thought it was going to be. It wasn't what Marcus Freeman or Jared Parker thought it was going to be. It wasn't what anyone thought it was going to be. And I think only they truly know, you know, who's, who's, how the, how the, uh, the blame, if that's the way you want to put it is, is kind of divvied up on <laughs> what it actually became. I think Lloyd's comment is very appropriate. Lloyd Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that doubted Nick's assessment of Tommy hasn't been paying attention to the last decade of college football. <laughs> Saban knows how to pick him. Yeah. I mean, he, he just well. doesn't go knocking on anyone's door. Nope. Fill in the blank. It's blank that with Xavier Watts and Joe Alt both earning unanimous All-American honors, Notre Dame has a pair of unanimous All-Americans for the first time since 1990. It is E-P-I-C, epic, baby. Never <laughs> happened in my lifetime. I couldn't even tell you who it was in 1990. I'm sure you, you want to know? Could. Do you yeah, want to know? Lay it on me. All right. The three. Do you have a guess? Do you have a guess on any of them? Um, I'm not good with the, with the, with the history, especially before I was even around. So They're all college football Hall of Famers now, 33 years later. Okay. Rocket Ismail. Okay. Chris Zorich and Michael Stonebreaker, who just went in last year. Oh, Anthony week. got two of them. Did he? Oh, there he is. So- Anthony Solomon. Yep. Rocket and Stonebreaker. Stonebreaker, Zorich, Ismail were the three. So they, they not only in 1990, they had three of them. So that was even a, a larger um, task. And I guess there's a little bit of surprise to me as well because Notre Dame has had, you know, really good players. You know, since 1990, it just sounds like they haven't had the ability to kind of stack up, you know, multiple uh, unanimous uh, All-American selections in one season. Do you know, was Kyle Hamilton an All-American? I was thinking about that the other day. Oh, I'm sure he got something, but I can't say off the top of my head exactly what it like. You're going to spring that on me now. You know all the other stuff. <laughs> well, some of this stuff, you know, when when I when I've got time to look it up, let me see. Oh, he got yes. it. He got consensus. He was consensus. 
There we go. He was a consensus All-American in 2021. Also doesn't help that he was in the same kind of class as Sauce Gardner. So both guys were playing um, in the NFL. The only reason I bring that up is because uh, today Kyle Hamilton was um, anointed by PFF, the highest graded safety in the NFL. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's working out for him. And just so, like, in case you're wondering, the five all-American teams that you have to make to be a unanimous all-American football writers of association football writers association of america walter camp associated press the sporting news and the american football coaches association oh wow Those i didn't even realize five. that there were five different and that's what makes you unanimous yeah, you have to get it in five all five Oof. to be a unanimous that is some prestigious honor yes exactly so it's like and again like the fact that they've got two of them for the first time in 33 years is amazing because there has been a lot of football and a lot of Notre Dame and a lot of great football players come through here in the last 33 years for them to, to, to finally have two in the same season. And these are obviously two really good players. We know one of them is going to be a first round draft pick. And as we talked about before with Watts, maybe potentially trying to play himself into that if he decides to come back next year. And I think it's a nod to the direction that the program continues to trend in and the development within the program as well. Because, I mean, think about this. These are two unanimous All-Americans at the same time. Joe Alt, Xavier Watts. Alt was a tight end in high school coming to Notre Dame. They turned into a left tackle. And Xavier Watts was recruited as a wide receiver and well-documented, bounced back and forth on both sides of the ball. They even tried to play him at Rover before tinkering with him wide receiver again, before finally settling him in at safety. Going into last season, it wasn't even for sure that he was a safety. And now he's the Nagurski winner and a unanimous All-American as well. So it's just, it's it's pretty amazing the way they've been able to, you know, to get these guys, develop these guys. And again, I think it's like the direction the program is going. It's a huge, I think somebody said it, a little bit ago, it's a, it's a huge recruiting banner for these guys with what they're able to with what Notre Dame is able to do with players. Yeah, and I think it, it goes to show you if you are you know a, a young athlete coming into this world, don't get don't get caught up about what position you're playing or not playing. You know, obviously Notre Dame has proven, and a lot of schools are like this too. They're just looking for that overall athleticism or that raw ability that 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 can then be you know, transformed into, you know, what best fits maybe the player at that time, the team at that time, whatever it might be. If you have the talent yeah. and the ability, you're, they're going to find a position for you. By the way, don't get this confused with these are the first unanimous All-Americans <laughs> since 1990. It's the first time they've had two at the same time because like Carmel is saying, you know, shocked that Jalen Smith, I know Manti was, um, Quentin Nelson I think was, Again, it's the first time they've had two in the same season. It's not the first time they've had a unanimous All-American since 1990. It's just the first time they've had two in the same season. So they have had other unanimous All-Americans. They just haven't had two in the same season since 1990. So just to clarify that. So fill in the blank. Talking about Xavier Watts. We're still waiting for a decision from him on whether or not he's going to be back at Notre Dame next season. 
He and Benjamin Morrison, though, were both in that Riley Leonard video earlier this week when Leonard announced that he's transferring to Notre Dame. That means blank to you. I think Xavier Watts is coming back is is what that (laughs) means to me because you're not using him in a recruiting pitch. Um, And then based on the comments that, you know, we've kind of, you know, digested or or dissected, whatever the word might be. Um, And, 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 at the end of the day, again, I just don't feel like knowing, you know, how Xavier Watts has talked about his gameplay, how kind of, you know, the NFL might be looking at his gameplay of, you know, there's there's some things here and there that you might need to to polish up. And then when you're bringing your biggest recruits in for the for the weekend, I feel like it's it's a good look to have a guy that is going to be one of the leaders next season as well, because that's what those guys are. I, I feel like Benjamin Morrison and, and Xavier Watts are. Um, going to be the leaders of the defense uh, and, and, you know, J.D. Bertrand, of course, if he comes back as well. But having those guys out there, is, is, it, to me, is that you're giving the full pitch of, you know, this is what it's going to be. These are going to be the guys, you know, going going forward with you uh, go, moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that with him being in that video, just what you said, I think that, you know, we can read into that a little bit. Like, we know that Benjamin Morrison – is is going to be back and it just it just really seems like when you listen to Xavier Watts last week and you see him in this video it just all signs seem to be pointing that even though he hasn't made that announcement yet he hasn't made or at least announced the decision all signs seem to be pointing to him coming back so I think that that is really good as well and I'm sitting here and I'm looking to find the uh unanimous all-americans I found them. Did you find the the list of unanimous? Okay, so I did. Who, give us give us an example, or you know, give us give us kind of like maybe in the last twenty years or so, like who who the unanimous All Americans have been. Um, in terms of Notre Dame, um, they didn't have any last season. The year before that, they had um, oh no, they didn't have anyone in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. Last time they had one was 2020. It was Jeremiah Awusu Koromora. Okay. Um, before Excellent. that, it was Quentin Nelson back in 2017. Um, before that, it was, I believe it was just Manti after, before that. Uh, yeah, Manti in 2012. Um, 2009 was Golden Tate. Um, before that, let's see, I'm not seeing anyone in 2008, 2007, not seeing anyone in 2006, um, not seeing anyone in 2005, not seeing anyone in 2004. Um, and then, Ooh, 2002, Shane Walton, defensive back. I don't even remember yeah. that name. You don't remember Shane Walton? Yep. Him I and, uh, him and Vontez Duff doing it together in the secondary, the two, cornerbacks for uh for bob davy and by the way someone just posted this in the chat riley mills is back and riley mills just tweeted i got one more in me hashtag 2024 breaking news riley mills is coming back in 2024 for notre dame more big news so you've got the entire well not the entire you've got Three of the four starting defensive linemen and the one you're going to lose, Javante Jean-Baptiste, you're going to replace with R.J. Oben from Duke. 
who uh, is the exact same size, 6'4", 260 pounds, and has a little bit better production in his career than what uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste had coming into Notre Dame a year ago. Man, after reading that list, sorry, after reading that list, it's just kind of crazy to me that Notre Dame really hasn't had, you know, over the spanning the last 30 years, they've had maybe, you know, five or six. And now that they hit on two in the same season, that's kind of crazy because the, the the last one that I could see was Aaron Taylor back in 1993. So spending back over 30 years, you only have about five or six guys. And so to get two in the same season, like this is truly incredible. Yeah, it is. You know, like I said, when you think about all the talent they've had over the years, who are you laughing at now? Sloppy Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. He's talking about, <laughs> why can't we lose Jordan? He's a viper who can't put pressure on the – like, the guy still waiting for it to happen. Still waiting for Man, it this defense is going to be crazy next it's year. It's going to be really good. If yes. Watts comes back with Benjamin Morrison and Mickey and and, uh, and Gray. Gray, and now you got Howard – and you got uh, Mills back, and you know there's potential Kaiser's going to be back. There's potential Bertrand's going to be back. Then you mix in Osbury and Drake Bowen as some of these younger linebackers. Jalen Sneed is is you would expect to have a bigger role. Um, to me, really, the missing piece is can they can they shore up those defensive end positions? And with uh, uh, with Oban on kind of the brink of potentially you know committing, it it seems like this whole unit could just be as, as even better next season if if you really think about it. Brent wants to know who the three starting linebackers will be in 2024. I would think it will be Drake Bowen. At This is just, you know, again, there's a, there's a spring to go through. There's a lot right now. I would say Drake Bowen at Mike. I would say Jack Kaiser at Will and Jalen Sneed at Rover. Ooh. But I still think that Jaden Osbury will play a lot. He'll play a lot as well, whether or not he's the starter. But you're not bringing Jack Kaiser back if he's not going to be <laughs> If there's not a role for him. Yeah. That's you're, right. not, you're not talking to Jack Kaiser and be like, hey, we're bringing you back and then not playing him next season. Yeah. Bryce Simony says all these defensive guys coming back makes me think Golden is going to be coming back. I would tend to agree with that. I still think the only thing – that would prevent that unless Golden is just you know, dead set that he is definitely going to stay at Notre Dame and be a Notre Dame's defensive coordinator for at least another year. I think the only thing is you're going to have all these, in a, you know, in about a month here, you're going to have a lot of uh, coaching vacancies in the NFL and whether or not an NFL team comes looking for Al Golden, that would be the thing I think that could potentially get him away if he desires to be an NFL defensive coordinator since he's had, you know, so much time in the NFL. DK wants me to say Watts is leaving because I really want him back. I mean, am I really that much of a kiss of death? Like everything I predict, like the opposite, like I will do the opposite. And that's, that's how... me. That's been me in gambling recently. You should just fade everything I do. <laughs> that's right. All right, DK, if it makes you happy, Watts is leaving. He's not coming back. Okay. Ah. There you go. <laughs> Did he announce? Did he announce? <laughs> But Riley Mills is coming back. So, it's, you know, again, you've got Batello at Viper. You've got both interior defensive linemen in Riley Mills and Howard Cross. You've got R.J. Oban now to replace Javante Jean-Baptiste. So it's going to be another really good defensive line. And you've got those young guys 
behind him. And I think that that's going to be good for another year of development for everybody to have those uh, both the frontline guys and the guys at the back. <laughs> Joe says, I have to say it with heart. I thought I was saying it with heart. <laughs> All right. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell says the league's competition committee is going to continue to look at and evaluate the brotherly love, tush push, whatever it's called that the Eagles use in their short yardage situations. A lot of people want it banned. Do you buy or sell banning it like a lot some people want? I sell uh, banning it. And the reason why I sell banning it is there's just everyone's just a hater. I've seen teams try to run it. They can't successfully do it. I just think there's a lot of pushback because of the fact that they can't do it. I know everyone's going to fall back on, well, oh, player safety, that's the main thing. And, you know, how they're going about completing the play, whatever. Listen, if you don't want them to do it, one, stop them. And then two, don't let them get in third and one, fourth and one type situations. It's really not that hard. I, I think I saw one brotherly shove game when Notre Dame, or so when the Cowboys were playing the Eagles the other night. You know why? Because they didn't get them into some of those, or they didn't allow the Eagles to get into the those positions. And so if you're going to complain about it, find a way to stop it. That's the way the NFL has run. When they introduced, you know, the way Patrick Mahomes plays, when they introduced RG3, when he came into the league, a lot of teams couldn't stop him. Or are we just going to ban dual threat quarterbacks for that reason? No, you have to find ways to get innovative to stop them. Scheme it, you know, do do different things. I don't understand why everyone is so worked up about banning a play that only one team has managed to use successfully almost 100% of the time. Like, nobody else is able to run it the way the Eagles are. It is only them that is as successful as they are with this play. All these other teams are trying, and they don't have a quarterback who can squat like 700 pounds or 800 (laughs) pounds or whatever it is. Like Jalen Hurts, they're the only ones who can do it. So I don't understand why everyone is so worked up about this. And, I mean, it is a simple – quarterback sneak play that for whatever reason you know the eagles are successful but nobody else is like stop it if you don't like it and you're going to change a whole rule just because one team is good at something is just ridiculous to me i would i would be curious to see like if you took jalen hurts out of the mix like how successful even the eagles would be with it it's just like imagine when the West Coast offense was uh, first introduced and teams were like, wow, this is really hard to stop. Should we ban this? <laughs> right. That's the same concept. Or using like motions and, you know, all this stuff that, you know, Shanahan and McDaniel and all these guys are constantly like, did you see Tyreek Hill line up in a three-point stance in some of his uh, routes the other night? It's just like there's new ways to be innovative and that's the whole point you have to be able as a defensive that's what you get paid to do you know you're a defensive coordinator in the nfl you have to be able to to scheme and and try to you know figure out how to stop new things by the way brent came at you early with this one i've been saving it he wants to know who's the number one (laughs) passer in the nfl with only 48 percent of his passing yards from yak mahomes and rogers MVP seasons, question mark, 54 and 56%. So who's the number one quarterback in the <laughs> It's NFL? a very pointed question after Could a very he pointed comment. talking about Brock Purdy? Like, <laughs> I think that he wants me to say that Brock Purdy um, is the league's, you know, best quarterback, but I'm just simply not going to, st- not going to say it. I, I'll put it like this. I think that there are, um, I think that there are probably four or five quarterbacks in this league better than Brock Purdy right now. Ooh. Do they have names? 
<laughs> I would put I put Dak Prescott up there. I put Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, controversial. Tua would be up there, and I think Tua and Brock would be on pretty much the same playing field. And then Herbert, when he's healthy, is better. And then I think Lamar might also be better. Is Tua is Tua really that good? Tua, you can if, give me some if you take Tyreek away. If you take Tyreek away. Look, man, I, I don't want to hear all these people, you know, coming with with the Dak doubt right now because he's legitimately being talked about for MVP. He's the so, favorite right now. Go on FanDuel and, and see who's got the. Yeah, we're talking about this chance. season. We're talking about this season, and <laughs> like there there are things you can knock in Dak's game, but for this season and especially the way he's playing in the current stretch, you can't talk about him right now. DK Flacco is better than <laughs> than Dak. Uh, T Guns. I mean, it's, you know, there is an argument in this that Brock is a product of the talent around him. And I think you can make that case about Jalen Hurts as well. I mean, really, when it comes right down to it, isn't DeVito the best quarterback <laughs> in the NFL right now? Like, <laughs> I think he's got the best agent, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> All right, but uh, Brent had to be sure and get his 49ers zing in on jesse tonight he did his homework he he was ready to come in there with that uh <laughs> he's ready <laughs> he's ready he was ready to come in with that oh, hold it hold it hold it big lick is trying to say that you can make that argument about dak what because he has one good receiver like <laughs> i would say the, that dak is bringing all this talent, talent around, around his team i think dak is the reason why some of his talent is excelling like look at what brandon cooks is doing this season not i mean for this offense, I know Brandon Cooks is a consistently a thousand yard receiver, but I mean, just like if you but look they didn't at the go throw, to him early, like right, you know, and that's that's part of the difference in where Dak is right now because he figured out, oh, I can throw to this guy as well. But the biggest difference is they're throwing to their best receiver more right. consistently. They're doing what the the Bengals, the the Vikings, the you know all the good teams, even the 49ers with you know Debo Samuel. Um, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, good offenses find ways to just get the their best wide receiver the ball. Yeah, Cam Newton says he doesn't <laughs> think Purdy is a top quarterback. And look, that that like, sparked a lot of debate yesterday. At the end of the day, does Purdy have a lot of talent around him? Yes, he does. And and does Jalen Hurts? Yes, he does. But the quarterback still has to be able to get that talent the ball, and he still has. You know, whether you want to, if you want to knock those guys by calling them you know, system quarterbacks or whatever, that's fine. But it, they're they're not going to have the success that they have if the quarterback that they've got is a dog, it, you know, that's got a bunch of talent around him. So Listen, you still I'll, have to give those guys props for going out and executing and doing what they're asked to do, you know, regardless of how much talent they've got around them. I, I think uh, I'll keep it short in terms of Cam Newton's comments. I think Cam Newton is just a little butthurt. He's not in the league, and he's seen these other quarterbacks around him in the league. But I got a newsflash for you, Cam Newton. Yeah. If you wanted to stay in the league, you should have, you know, tweaked your game a little bit. You were a a, a quarterback, a, a, a running back that off that sometimes played quarterback. You know, when it came down to actually dissecting teams with your arm and reading defenses and those sort of things. I don't think Cam Newton was it. He relied on his running, and once he couldn't, you know, do that anymore because of the injuries and, you know, just the the, the age on him, 
there's a reason why he's been out of the league for a while now, right? Like he could have very easily still been a backup quarterback in this league right now, but that's not what he wants to do. And he doesn't want to, to adjust to what's being asked of him. He just wants to play quarterback how he wants to play. And so I just think there's a lot of envy that comes from what he was saying. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So Al Michaels left NBC after several years to move to Amazon last year to call the Thursday night NFL games. NBC still had Michaels and Tony Dungy call a playoff game together last year. And you might remember it was pretty well criticized for <laughs> lack of enthusiasm in the broadcast. But NBC announced this week that the 79-year-old Al Michaels is now out and they are going to put Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge in to the playoff assignment this year. What do you think of that move? You know, I, I enjoyed the Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge. And I'll, I'll, I'll be short about this one. I feel like Al Michaels recently has just kind of turned into that old crotchety, you know, <laughs> old man. It's like no one wants to listen to that, especially when the playoffs are on. This is supposed to be the most exciting, anticipated, you know, football of the year. And when Al Michaels is sitting here complaining all the time about this and that and being, you know, the get off my lawn guy, who wants to listen to that? And so you bring in a younger Noah Eagle, guys who are more passionate um, and, and kind of, in a sense, want to be there or are grateful to be there. That's who they're going to roll with. So I don't I think it's all, you know, Al Michaels own doing so. And I'm not again, I love Al Michaels, but I want the guy who's going to make the playoffs more interesting and be more excited about it. Even when if it's a yeah. bad game, I mean, it's kind of what your job is to do is to make the game better because, the th you know, it's not going as you anticipate it. It's exactly right. You know, I've called plenty of stinker games in my life, but it is still your job to make it as interesting as possible and to try to give people a reason to watch, you know, slash listen even if the game is uninteresting and complaining about it on the air doesn't help anything you know look there's a strong case for al michaels as the best play-by-play -play announcer of all time and at the very least the mount rushmore of play-by-play -play announcers you know it's all personal taste you know so whatever but the guy has been doing network tv play-by-play -play for more than 50 years but just like sports it's a bottom line business and everyone's time comes at some point you know pitchers lose their fastballs and announcers lose their fastballs at some point as well and michaels is still a good play-by-play -play announcer but he's just not what he was even five years ago because you know the longer you stay around the greater the odds are that you're not going to get out to you know to you're not going to get to go out on your own terms it's just a fact of life and you know he wants to keep that nbc playoff job but look he moved to amazon last year and Took what did i money. what did i text you a couple of weeks ago when we were watching the cowboys and the seahawks on thursday night football when al michaels and kirk gibson or kirk gibson kirk herbstreet <laughs> were calling the game together do you remember what i texted you 
I think you said something about how boring it was. It's a boring broadcast. <laughs> you know, it's, it's I muted the second half. So yeah, <laughs> it is technically a solid broadcast, but it's just boring. And you know, the stuff you were talking about, the grumpy old man, and all you know, like. He's complaining about the quality of the game. He's complaining about, oh, I don't want to show Taylor Swift. Well, guess what? Everyone else is is, is showing Taylor Swift. And, uh, you know, so far, <laughs> it's like you might infuriate the hardcore football people, but the casuals love it, right? You know, and I get it. You know, like most of the Thursday night matchups are the equivalent of probably the fifth or sixth game that you're going to get on a Sunday. But... Michaels is paid like one of the elite broadcasters still. He's getting paid a lot more than those guys who are calling the fifth or sixth best NFL game on a Sunday. So he's been great forever. Right now, his broadcasts are not among the greats, and, and NBC has the right to do with what they want to do. And that's what they're doing. Correct. Joe says he mutes the games when Garrett is on. And that's, you know, that... <laughs> That'll be a, a, an off-season topic once, uh, you know, a lot of this personnel stuff, transfer portal and opt-outs and everything else finally dies down. That'll be an off-season topic, I'm sure, as well. Excuse me, that is going to come up again and again. Uh-oh, Brent is still coming Man. at you. Who leads the NFL in quarterback rating? Go to Who PFF. is first in air go yards read, of 30 plus? Go read Stephen Ruiz articles. We get it. They're going to be I'm not the saying he's seed. not bad. They're probably going to go to the Super Bowl, you know? So. The MVP is going to be between Dak and, and, and Brock, assuming that both guys continue to play how they're playing. So we'll let we'll let the, the NFL decide, ultimately. I mean, Dak's got a tough stretch coming up here this month. Yeah, he's it's, got the Bills. He's yeah, got the I mean, Lions. If if him and the team get through this, you know, in in good shape, and you know he doesn't just collapse in December, he's going to be in that conversation, like it or not. You know, I don't, I don't know that he's necessarily the MVP, but you have to at least give him this. Everyone was what was everyone was bagging on him because of all the interceptions that he threw. It's you know all you heard in the offseason. Oh, he led the NFL in interceptions. Well. He's a lot different quarterback right now. And I find it hysterical, and we're going to see him matched up with Josh Allen this weekend. I find it hysterical that all these Buffalo Bills fans think that that Josh Allen, oh, he's he's he gets all this unfair criticism and blah, blah, blah. He has led the <laughs> NFL, the entire NFL in turnovers since he like joined. the last five years. Yeah, but I don't think he gets enough criticism. So – well, again, I, now the the classic Dan Olaski uh, backpedal is, oh, all the great quarterbacks have interceptions because they they're asked to throw the ball a lot. So it's it's just narrative based. You know, people pick and choose when they want to hold interceptions or whatever it might be against you. And that's to me, that's like what I've done the most this season in terms of the Cowboys and and Dak. I just disconnected. I formulated my own opinions on how I think things are going. I'm I'm tired of. Everyone else trying to tell me, you know, what I should think of this or that and how they're playing. Just I can do that myself. This was earlier in the show. DK is just always happy when he hears <laughs> Dallas Cowboys references. So keep it coming. Make DK happy as many Dallas Cowboys references as you can. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. It is Thursday. Thursday is usually the last day of the week that we do a show. Rumor has it. 
Uh-oh. There could be another Friday show in the works. So we shall see. We shall see what happens. Again, the uh, the top news of the last two hours, Audric Estime declaring for the NFL draft, opting out of the Sun Bowl, but Riley Mills announcing that he is coming back for one more year. So we could be finally getting to the end of the breaking opt-out draft declarations for Notre Dame. We could finally be reaching the end of that stretch. We shall see tomorrow, I guess. Are you hopeful? I am. It's just time to get locked in on the bull. You know, all this is just extra noise. It's time to it's time to move on, you know? You either Jesse, in or out. I think what the world well, that's a good question. What the world wants to know, Vince has committed to a Friday show. <laughs> Are you willing to commit to a Friday show? There's potential. There's strong potential. Okay. Tomorrow I could be there. Three man booth tomorrow? I could be there. You're in. We'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> All three of us, Steyer Squared and VD, will be in the house 6 o'clock Friday night. So be here because we will as well. You're in? I'm we'll there. to it. I'm okay. there. Three-man show, 6 o'clock. He's buying dinner. Well, I know that's a lie. (laughs) That's not happening. All right. Well, we will talk to you then. Hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you, DK. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.